Everybody and welcome to episode one of Comic Book Queer's Legacy. I- Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 10. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 38 of Comic Book Queer's. I am your host, Evil Brett, and with me as always... Hi. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 84 of... Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode seven of Comic Book Wears Legacy. Uh, we have done a full. Hello, welcome to episode 1,900. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 96 of Comic Book Wears Legacy. I am your host, Brett, and with me, as always, is Evil Jeff. Hi, Evil. Oh, my God. What time? What day is it? What year is it? What's happening? No, I have, I've got some intense deja vu right now, though. You know, it's really in for 2019 time. <laughs> time is super in. Like, everybody's fucking with it. Like, if you're just Everybody like. Everybody loves fucking with it. You know, like, if you're just doing, like, regular time in your shows, like, that's lame. It's dumb. If you're doing linear time in Ugh. your work. Oh, my God. Stop it. Yeah. Everyone, everybody is just fucking with time this year. It's because we all wish we had time machines. We can go back. I know. It started with the Avengers. It started with the Avengers Endgame. And then it's like, let's just, let's fucking go balls to the wall. Let's do it. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., let's do it. As Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does time travel, right? The season ended ended with them going back to 1931. Oh, that's right. Isn't Agent Carter going to be in it? I don't know. Oh, no, yes. she has. She was confirmed. She's confirmed. Bitch is confirmed. Like, okay, let's be honest. Uh, what else What else does she have going on? <laughs> uh, I mean, one can argue also that Spider-Verse is what made it pop. I mean, I don't know. There's alternate dimensions wrapped up, tangled with time travel, always. Oh, they just said the new Loki show is going to be about him exploring other dimensions and times. Yeah. Times, dimensions. People love it. Do you believe in string theory, Brett? No. Okay. What's that? Well, it's science. <laughs> it's the it's oh, like a, it's well, a theory to I the I don't believe in that either. It's a theory to the origin the origin of the universe and uh, and maybe the key to time travel for reals. The but key? Maybe. I don't know. Hmm. Huh. It's a thing Sheldon studied on Big Bang Theory. I don't so, know who that is. So it was <laughs> Uh, you're lucky. Um, but I would say the first thing I want to talk, should we talk about TV, comics, or movies? Because I think we're going to hit all three that deal with alternate times, time changing. Yeah, basically changing your, your future and changing the present. Yeah, I feel like we should do movie, TV, comic book. Let's do it. Movie. Okay. I, I just saw a movie last night that dealt. Oh, and by the way, this is going to be severe spoilers. So, uh, so as always, um, I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Finally, I said last week you should. I you know. I just it's one of those things because I knew it was so long, and every weekend when I was like, oh, let's see a movie, it was already like ten o'clock, and then I was like, oh, if we go, it'll be like one a.m. and I'm old. 
<laughs> 1 a.m. No, it says the person who was up to like 4 a.m. last night. But whatever. Um, uh, I saw it. And all right, should we do a one, two, three, liked it, hated it? Oh, that's my favorite thing. Okay, yes. ready? One, one two, two, three. Three. Loved, loved it. Loved it. Yeah, I liked Absolutely it. Absolutely loved it. I wasn't it. sure at a certain point. I was like, where is this going? Is this? Yeah. And then it well, went. And then it went somewhere, and I'm like, I like where it went. I like it. I thought I knew where it was going. Everybody thought they knew where it was going. Well, I here's the thing: is is they is it's this kind of reimagined Hollywood where there's the same things, but then there's different things. And I read this thing like the radio stations, the bands. Some of the bands are real, and some of the bands are fake. Like uh-huh. on the radio station, and one of the bands that they list and the song they play is is the fake band from the movie Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Oh, cool. Oh, God. So oh, it's so like, cool. isn't that cool? So it's kind of like, it's this world where everything's slightly off, um, where there's, it's didn't, still... Didn't Roger Ebert write that, Beyond the yes, Valley of the Dolls? Yes. Yeah. So yes. anytime he reviewed something badly, it's like, you wrote Beyond the Valley <laughs> of the Dolls. The amazing. Best, there's an amazing line in Beyond the Valley Dolls at the end, the lesbian couple gets murdered, and like there's a narrator just voicing over like, what have we learned from this movie? And there's <laughs> one where it's like, and then there's Mary, I don't can't remember what her name is, but it was just like, and unfortunately she had to die because of her evil, evil passions. <laughs> it was basically like, huh? she died because she was a dirty lesbian. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. I don't like that. Roger Ebert doesn't uh, like lesbians. Uh, but so Once world, Upon a Time in Hollywood, it she, follows Leonardo DiCaprio as a, like a washed up Western star actor. Yeah. Uh, he was a star. He started his own TV show. Let me ask you, do you think one of the fantasy things in this version of Hollywood is that those kind of shows were, were as popular as they were in the movie? Like, the, like those Westerns from the fifties? I mean, I guess they were very popular. In I the, think the they were very lines. popular. Like Bonanza yeah. was on for like thirty years, but it as the movie goes, you realize he's kind of iconic to a lot of people that he was the star of this Western TV show. But it's but been he's not long no enough, more. He's pretty washed it's up. It's been now. long enough that now young people don't know who he is. Yeah, and, and it hurts when that happens. Nec- uh, and right, who moves in next door to him? But Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski, and it's at the same year. And you're just like, oh. And if someone who's followed the Manson murders, like I have, um, you think you know what's going to happen. So, but I was like, oh, in this world, this is what I assumed. I assumed that they were going to be invited over that night. And that everyone yeah, was and they going would all to be die. murdered. And then everyone would be murdered. That's basically, yeah. it was like, oh, that's where this is going. Especially because Brad Pitt, his character encounters them and has a very bad encounter with the cult. With the Manson cult. Yes. With a, On their compound. A weird Lena Dunham and Dakota Fanning. <laughs> like yeah, Dakota Fanning cameo. was great. Yeah. She's Dakota like, Fanning I had to watch was my, great. I fucked him already. I got to watch my stories. I'm like, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, it was, it must've been odd to not know about Sharon Tate. Like I want, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I knew that Sharon Tate was going to be murdered. Yeah. Wink. Um, but to not know that story, I think, you know, you're really missing out. And I was luckily enough, lucky enough, I made sure no one told me what happened in this movie. I would purposely say, do not tell me anything. So I went in not knowing 
anything about this movie, except that I knew Sharon Tate was in it. And as someone who actually, the last meal Sharon Tate ever had was at the El Coyote. Ooh. And is Evil Jeff here? Am I a sick fuck? Who Because they have a sign in the El Coyote that says, this is where Sharon Tate gets the hell ate. out of here. And did I sit in that one? You, be, you bet your sweet ass I did. And then I put a fake. That's so uh, morbid. I put a fake pregnancy belly inside. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but in the movie they're like, and then she went to the El Coyote. I'm like, oh, this is the night. They're she's going to go. die. She's going to be horribly murdered because that's what happened in real life. But instead, Leonardo DiCaprio's character comes out and yells at them because their car is too loud, and that makes them decide no. We're going to kill... We're going to go to Leonardo DiCaprio's house first. But unfortunately, his his uh, uh, stuntman, Brad Pitt, happened to have smoked a cigarette laced with acid. <laughs> <laughs> and he also has... Was that a Rottweiler? Or what was that? Pitbull. A Pitbull. There was a Pitbull. And he has a Pitbull. And what ends up happening is, is that was a big mistake on their part because they they just fucking murder the Manson family people. Yeah, and Sharon Tate doesn't die. She does not die. <laughs> she lives, and she invites Leonardo DiCaprio over for some just for some drinking, for some cocktails, which might lead to a new spark in his career. Who knows? It was a very happy ending, and right at that moment. I thought in a stroke of genius move, they put up the title of the movie. Finally, I didn't realize they never put up the title of the movie. Yeah, they did. In the whole movie, you never saw yeah. the title. And it he's comes up big at the on that. end, right when you realize that this is a fairy tale. It comes up once upon a time. Oh, I loved it. It was great, and I, um, yeah, it just made me really interested in like this, like what would that world be. Like, how, yeah, what like would the other, fallout yeah. be? Would Roman Polanski, because maybe Roman Polanski wouldn't have maybe he never slept with well, that 13-year-old girl because he was with Sharon yeah. Tate. He disappeared in the movie pretty quickly, and it was more about Sharon Tate and, like, the other guy. It was, like, the, the second husband, the younger husband. Yeah, and why? Well, they weren't even a husband. They wasn't. No, they were just, he was just, like, a friend. But. Yeah, but it was the people that actually died that night. Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, why was he? But why did they put him in that Aust- like a literal Austin Powers outfit? Did you notice that Roman Polanski at the night of the yeah. Playboy Mansion? I was like, that is wait, that is literally just the Austin Powers outfit. I know. Like I don't get I know. that. I was like, did Roman there, Polanski there was ever some wear other, that? It was weird at the time. I was like, oh well, that's what Austin Powers was making fun of was spoofing was a parody of but it was exactly Austin Powers yes. <laughs> like the same color and everything yeah the other thing they were like they were really weird depictions of celebrities so that was a weird Roman Polanski moment um and they oh, had the, the Bruce, Bruce Lee, Lee family scene? the Bruce Lee family is pissed I mean Sharon so the Tate's Bruce Lee scene was so interesting too. the Bruce Lee I'll get to Sharon Tate in a minute the Bruce Lee thing I mean they he just, with just a little bit of a nudge in, in a different direction, it was, he made Bruce Lee look like he was an asshole. Like, he was ridiculous. Like, Br- yeah. Bruce Lee was just a jerk. Like, and he was kind of phony. I have never seen Bruce Lee painted in that light. It was so weird. Was he? 
I don't know. That's what it made me wonder. Yeah. Like, oh, wait. Yeah, was the family he? was not happy about it. And then Quentin Tarantino yeah. was so angry, he's now going to do Once Upon a Time on the set of The Crow just so he can pay Brandon Lee in a bet. Oh, no. That's going to be his, his... No, you did not. <laughs> Is this his ninth movie? That'll no. be his tenth movie. That'll be his tenth, yeah. Uh, there was that, and then, yeah, Sharon Tate, It like, Margot Robbie didn't play a real person. She played this fairy tale spirit but here's what's of a, amazing of a character she goes to see the movie that she's in and they don't alter it it's the, it's the real, real Sharon, Sharon Tate, Tate in the movie, in the movie. there's things that he chose to do and at first when you watch it it's almost like you ever like when you start watching shakes like a Shakespeare play or a Shakespeare movie your brain needs like two minutes to be like this is how everyone's talking all right I got it you know what I mean yeah. But for the first few lines, you're like, they're talking weird. But then you get used to it. Um, it's the same thing there where this movie starts and then suddenly there's a narrator out of nowhere. And then this happens out of nowhere. And you're like, what? And then you're like, oh, it's Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, he can do whatever he wants. This this one was this one. I'm a little fuzzy on. Do you think he has a foot fetish? Quentin Tarantino? <laughs> I think. I think he does. I think he you does. Think? It's subtle, but I was picking up the dirty notes feet. Of it. All the dirty feet on the women. It oh, was always women God. with dirty feet. I'm so gross. No, wait. I'm I'm pretty sure that it's like a I'm going to Dirty feet on stuff is so gross. I'm trying to think. I feel like I've read that somewhere before before this movie came out. But no, now when I just Googled it, it just says Once Upon a Time shows Quentin Tarantino has a foot fetish. So you're not the only one that thinks that. <laughs> I'm not the only one that thinks it's a I fact. do have a friend that has a foot fetish. And and uh, and I, I should ask him about what he thought of that movie. I'd be curious to find out. Yeah, or a lot of Tarantino's movies. Anyway, it was great. It was very similar to Inglorious Bastards, where they're like, they just decided yeah. to rewrite history. No, rewrite this history. is how Hitler died <laughs> Uh, they even had a nod to like the like the the Nazis on fire in yeah. there were there were it really did feel like this could be his final movie because there were so many nods to his other movies. Well, it's so weird. He makes nods to he makes nods to so many different genres in his filmmaking, but this one he was making nods to his own movies. Like westerns, yeah. hateful eight. Like it's like he it was all He made him he made himself a genre yeah, with this one. Yeah. Hey. He made himself a genre. And can I just say it's weird seeing, not seeing Miramax or Weinstein come up first. It was almost like weird to me. Not that I want that, but it was just strange. Like, oh yeah, that's right. This is his like first movie without Harvey Weinstein. (sighs) Crazy. Crazy. Time, time, Um, Yeah, it's a good, it's a movie about an alternate dimension, which I didn't expect. And speaking of like alternate dimensions in time, we got finally got caught up on uh, a X Men TV show, and they just went the gifted. No, no. they went headfirst. They went balls deep into the idea of time. 
time. Legion, Legion. I got to say something, Legion. You really, really pulled it together these past two episodes. The first, really pulled it together. I'd say the first two, I was like, I'm not so sure about this. I know. And then, it, and then they pulled it together. Even at um, the like the David goes to war one where it ends in uh, what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding. Yeah, I, that I was like I was kind of rolling my eyes. Like, ugh, Legion, are you just being weird for weird sake? Like, can we act like people and do stuff that people do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. <laughs> but perfect. it kind of was like that. Like, well, well, we had so two episodes ago we had a very surreal uh, kind of a tangent episode about Sid. Was that two episodes ago? That was two episodes ago. Because last episode went Wait, was that heavy. episode seven? I just want to make sure I did this one. Yeah, I watched them all in a row, so I'm, like, confused. The Professor Xavier one was oh, the Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. One. Okay, that's where I was. Yes. So Professor X is in this shit. Professor X and, and um, uh, Gabrielle Heller are in this shit. Yeah. And the Shadow King is in this shit. And the Shadow King, I, that guy, his name is escaping me right now, but that guy is great. Yeah, he's the he's best really damn thing about the show. Yeah. He's so good. So we go back in time. Oh my God. Well, so wait, I gotta I, go. Let's talk about how this show is addressing how time works. Oh, it, it, people eat it. There are monsters that eat it. Well, time is actually a, a separate dimension you can kind of go to. And in this dimension of time are these time eaters. And did you notice the these time eaters, they have crazy, creepy smiles. They're like fuzzy. They're just like fuzzy blurs with horribly creepy, huge smiles. And they move like out of time. So they Every eat, one second. They, they're in a new position. Do you know what it really looked like? It really oh, reminded so cool me looking. of David Lynch. It was like David Lynch's last Twin Peaks. Like, oh yeah, that it, it, he, yeah. You, and it was like, I'm like, you literally. Oh, yeah. I was like, this bitch saw Twin Peaks, and I'm like, he's like that effect. I'm using it because it's scary. It's pretty scary. It's scary as fuck. So it's the effect of like something. It's it's a new. They're in a new frame, a new position every one second, essentially. But like, and you sound like a ticking. You hear a ticking clock, and it's like changed. And now I'm over here. And now I'm changed. Oh, it's so yeah. scary. And basically, so cool. Legion wants to go back so, like, David wants to go back so far in time that it's unleashing these demons. And their demons are now escaping yeah. into our world. Because he, at first, he wanted to go back in time to stop the Shadow King from taking over his body. And as they uh, chase after him, Sid and the, and the team chase after him, they end up going back to that time. But uh, he changes his mind and decides to go back to when Professor X battled the Shadow King so that they can team up and kill him together. I love it. How cool is it when Legion shows up to Charles, to young Charles Xavier? He, he uses the time-traveling character to go back in time. She's not good, by the way, because he's straining her way too much. They went way too far back. Her teeth are falling out. Oh, she's I thought like you dying. meant like the character, like you didn't like her. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. She's great. She but started in a reality shape. show. She started on a Nuh -uh. Japanese reality show. Good for her. Where it's like Big Brother, where they all live together. So, basically, they David, like, attacks the whole team. Okay. In that battle... 
Sydney's mind is kind of like destroyed. It's kind of just like like it's she's on the astral plane. David. It, anyway, well, they switch bodies. Mind, she switches bodies with him as a way to stop him. It kind of doesn't work because all of his other personalities. And finally, we're at the David who's got like tons and tons and tons and tons of personalities, tons yeah. and tons of Davids in his head. Oh my God! Here's how cool they're depicting all these Davids. I had closed captioning on in the scene where there was a lot of them. In the scene where they were like, "Daddy, yeah. Daddy," to Professor Xavier. Yeah. One when one of them would say something off camera, it would have that character's name on the closed captioning. Like, name. No. Here's what they said. What? So one of the character, one of the other Davids, his name was spelled D I V A D. It was David backwards. And then another of the Davids, when he spoke, it said DVD colon. So they all had different names that were just like ways of fucking with the letters David. Oh, that's so fun. Oh, so fun. Xavier's so fun. He's got mind powers. He's got cerebros. David's like, you shouldn't have come to see the Shadow King. I'm your son from the future. Um, But we have to fight him and I'm going to help you. But twist plot twist uh the shadow king from the future comes back to that time and so it's going to be double shadow kings versus the two of them so basically in a yeah in a battle in the future time girl sucks the shadow king through a portal and plants him in the time outside of time and then he just uses that to like travel back in time just like the quantum realm yeah it's the quantum realm that's all it is that place I bet he saw Ant-Man. Yeah, so it's 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 really fun. But a lot of people, a lot of main characters bit it. Like uh, Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, because, Aubrey Plaza's yeah, like, I gotta film yeah. Chucky and stabs herself in the neck. I gotta film Chucky. He does things like this. Stabs in the neck. You know what they should have done, though? She's like, I was rehearsing. When she died, it should have turned back to his sister. Yeah, remember how I forgot about the sister. You remember how she took over the sister's body? Yeah. That would have yeah. Been Ooh, so remember that? Oh my god, so weird. Yeah. So so basically, we've got a series finale coming up. We've got set in the past, so in the sixties. Because I think they've confirmed that Legion takes place in the seventies. Finally. Well, it because his dad, where it's like his when he was born, is right after the war. Yeah. Like he's born right after the war, so yeah, this is like late, like late sixties, early seventies. Mm-hmm. So you're just like fuck, but this is a different dimension, and I think this is when people are like, why are things like this? And it's like it goes back to that episode last season where we see all the different realities of the different Davids, where he's a homeless man, where he's a rich CEO, like all of those. And I'm just like, yep. th- just like, guess what? This ain't six one six. This is in our world. You're not in the 616, baby. They don't even mention the X-Men once. Yeah, I don't think they exist in this world. Well, we're going to see a big, big, big Legion and Xavier versus two versions of the Shadow King for our series finale. Yeah, because the interesting thing I want to know about is if the X-Men don't exist, where is Professor X now in the present Maybe he's going to die in the next episode, and that's why you I know it might him. be interesting. Yeah, so it's all very fascinating to me, and I'm into it, and I like it, and I dig it. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to that two episode, two episodes ago though, where it was 
after her mind got all fucked up in the battle with David, Sydney winds up as like a thought, a mind, a baby, yeah, represented as a baby in the astral plane. And Jermaine Clement and Jean Smart like, like basically like grab her soul and like re-raise her and like recreate her. So Sydney's gone through a whole second life on the astral plane while being chased by the big bad wolf, who was Jason Manzukis. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> It was so random and weird. <laughs> that episode was fantastic. And I love how they're never like, this is, I mean, at first you're like, what is this? And I think, no, they call her Sydney early on. But then it's the yeah, the person yeah. in the previous episode, she sees her younger self. And then the younger mm-hmm. self is the same actress playing. Same actress. It. Yeah, I like Same that. actress. I like it. Oh, it's it. so good. It's a very, it just feels, I think season three is so cohesive. Which is a weird feeling. Well, no, what it is, they have, to, they have to wrap it up. Yeah, and so everything's coming together, and it's you're like, oh, okay, this is a little more concrete. This makes a little bit more sense. And it justifies the past stuff, which I had no context for until now. Wonderful. Exactly. Uh, time, 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 time. Time, time, time. Oh, my God. Time so many time. lives. When you're lost and you look, you will find me. Time after time. Okay. Uh, I have, um, I think we, we're, okay, guys, this is just how it is. We are comic book fans, but we are X-Men fans. So yep. unfortunately, this podcast can't be three hours long. So maybe next week we'll get to DC and some other shit. But the X-Men just dropped a bomb. A bomb. And we just have to fucking talk about it. And we're pretty much, we're just going to talk about that. Is that okay with viewers? The rest of the show, the rest of the show will be, they can't hear you. The rest (laughs) of the show will be dedicated to House of X number two. I'm just going to say it. I think it's one of the best single issue comic books of all time ever. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's it's, gorgeously, uh, it's beautifully told. Not, not. Not just the concept. It's beautifully told and beautifully delivered. Yeah. I think um, my thing is, I think the scene with Destiny and Moira McTaggart is one of the best scenes ever written. (laughs) Like, it's so good. It was wrought with tension. A destiny it was such a tense, tight scene. Is a scene. fucking badass bitch. And now I'm like, bring this bitch back. I want that fucking destiny. Well, okay. isn't that, don't you think that is, um, uh, our friend Anthony said, Mystique probably, her, her demands in Powers of X 1, it's probably to bring destiny back. Mm. It's probably what she wants. Well, here's the deal. Is that we're okay? So all right. So let's let's give a brief synopsis of of what happened in this comic for anyone that's just like I don't have to read it. I'm just gonna listen to comic book queers explain what's going on. Uh, what's it? Let's give a, a quick. So here's the deal: is it opens with Myra McTaggart being born, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then yeah, yeah, yeah. We know. Wait, she, she didn't have that many she kids. She meets a guy, has eight kids, and then dies. I'm like, what? At the age of 74. Yeah. And then here's where it is. Is Then it goes, but what? then there she is in womb. W- coming alive in the womb as a person remembering everything of that previous life. 
she's groundhogging, <laughs> like groundhog daying, but not just a day, her own life from the womb on. But she remembers everything. And that's when the, he drops the mic where he goes, you see, Mario McTaggart is a mutant. What? It's, it's such a good what? reveal. Because it doesn't, it doesn't take anything away. It doesn't re-edit anything. It doesn't uh-uh. change it. Like it just adds this piece of information and it reframes everything, everything, everything. Yes, and that's where you start realizing that she's been the fucking puppet master this whole time. Because then. Here it is. So, so she lived life number one. I think let's just start going through the lives. Sound good? Are you that with sounds me? Sounds great. Yes. <laughs> life number let's one. Go. She just died. So here's life number two. Life number two is basically what is happening to me. And the difference is, is that because she knows everything, she's talking really. Like as soon as her vocal cords work, she's like talking. She's oh, knows she's how very to do precocious. everything. So they just yeah. sent her. So she gets sent to a gifted school super early, rather than just being like a normal girl. And uh, so that already starts changing anything. And here's where the part that's interesting is that she was like, oh, but then I met, and then there's my husband. But guess my what? Husband. I know everything about him. I know all of his flaws, and I know that he will never change. So I don't, I can't fall in love with him again. Isn't that so interesting? Like how discovering, like m- the mystery of another person, is such a part of love. And she and says, here there's no mystery. And there's this so amazing. There's no love. And all most of the narration is her. It goes back to that park bench scene. Yes, I want to. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Because is, the, uh, is the her telling Xavier at the park bench? But it's kind of. It sometimes is. The, the yeah. narration's really like a like a third person omniscient narrator. But then she'll come in and like flea bag it. Like she'll come yeah, and supplement some information with like her all own sudden personal into her, take on it. Yeah, yeah, like her first person voice. It is such a brilliant way of narrating a story. And it, it, there's two so pages good. of just straight up like from a book, like straight up prose of like, here's what happened to her. And like, I'm fine with it. Yeah. There's no pictures. You didn't no need pages, it. Cause no pictures. Because it was describing, like it was describing what was going on in her head. And I, and you, it was like, you don't need to visualize that. I just need the words. So it was fine. But the thing that I found interesting is that she was like, she says that she found if she just didn't, if she just tried to do the same things she did before, that the same shit would happen. Yeah, or she like just like passively didn't fuck with but stuff. But the problem it, it, is, is she realized just the fact that she knows what's going to happen would, would just ch- still would change everything because she was different. So everything, the observer effect. So she realized everything would just end up being different. So in this one, she sees Xavier and he and she's like she sees him on TV oh. and she's like oh I know you I oh went to god. school with you and he's and she's like, like oh my god I'm a mutant yeah and he's like I'm a mutant she's like I'm a mutant she goes to meet him on a plane plane crashes she <laughs> dies wakes back up in the womb so she's like oh so, shit that's what's so happening so check this out girl um uh the scene of Xavier on TV saying, my name is Xavier, I'm a, some people call me Professor X, I'm a mutant. It's the same 
panels and dialogue from when Morrison, yeah. when he did that in, oh, yeah. in Ease for Extinction. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's amazing. Um, um, so now we're on to life number three. Yes. And in we this are. life, she tries to meet up with Xavier, but she's kind of, she thinks he's a fucking phony. And she realizes that mutants are a disease and that she's cursed and she hates this life. Well, in a, it, like, Hickman really kind of calls out what many of us feel about Xavier. Like, Moore kind of sees right through He's him. Pompous. He uses, he uses the phrase thinly veiled God complex. And she's like, oh, fuck all this. Yeah. And so she finds the cure. She finds the cure to be like, you know, where it's like, if you want to take the cure, you won't be a mutant anymore and uh and then and then mystique mystique and the i mean i guess was she is it the brotherhood who killed who but who killed her the in the original time that she was killed i mean she didn't die till a bit later but mystique yeah it was a it was a mystique attack but was uh, it was she was it the brotherhood or was it freedom force like it wasn't freedom force it was mystique i think it was just mystique and her mystique and her pals okay not it was just her by herself I can't remember. Okay. But it was Mystique. But here's Mystique with Pyro, Avalanche, and Destiny. So very classic Brotherhood of the Evil Mutants. Mm-hmm. And, and Destiny, 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 Destiny. Destiny looks at her and realizes, oh, t- there's you're a blank space and time is changing around you. And she realizes that she's a mutant. And they're literally, they've murdered everyone in the lab and just destroyed the cure. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Destiny realizes that what she is and that she's a mutant, and she's like, I can see the other lives too. And that's when she's like, You're a fucking mutant. You fucking betrayed us. And Mora's like, It's a fucking curse. Like, it's a curse. Like, <laughs> she's like, Fuck you, bitch. And she's it's like, a And curse. you don't have to take it if you don't want to. It's your choice. And Destiny's like, Listen, bitch. Girl, Listen, are bitch. You stupid. Are you dumb? The fact that they know this, they're scared of it. They're going to fucking kill us. They're not. They're going to kill us with this. Like, you're an idiot if you think that that it's not. It's not going to happen. And so she's like, Are you on our side? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, well, here's another thing, bitch. Guess what? She's like, here's how it works. You you think you have 10 lives? You, you, you No, sorry. You think you have an infinite amount of lives? Bitch, you don't. I see 10 or here's, or maybe 11. I love that. If you make the right choices in the 10th life. Because it's not maybe forever. And then she goes, guess what? When When you're born... I'm already a mutant, so I already will see the future of you coming and that you are being born, and I will see it. And guess what? If you are killed before you're a teenager, before your mutant power develops, you will die for real. So basically, she's like, I, a young mystique with my powers, will come over and murder this baby, and you can fuck off. Like, this is destiny. What, destiny? Who is this I, she's, destiny? She's never. She's never. I been this love her. Scary and amazing. And then she's like, uh, "Burn her, <laughs> Pyro." Oh, before that, yes, she's mother. like, "She's like, no matter what you do, if you're not on our side, we will, we'll kill you." And then, we'll just kill you. And then, like the, this. she's like, "Well, just kill me already." And she's like, "Oh, we will, we will." <laughs> and then oh, they want to. We burn, absolutely are. They're gonna burn her, but she, she's burn her slowly. 
so she, so remembers, she remembers dying like this. And then they fucking light her ablaze. This comic is, this issue is fucking, like, people are like, there wasn't a lot of action. You're like, whatever. This is more action than anything I've read in a long time. There was the best scene between two characters. The best scene of just two characters talking in a comic book in in ages. And here's the I, fact. If when th- has a conversation ever been this riveting? Speaking of time, Never. I now want to literally go back in time. And the only thing, not like, oh, stop Trump or anything, but I'm just going to say to me, hey, guess what? Your favorite scene in the X-Men in the future is going to be between Destiny and Moira McTaggart. And I will be like, <laughs> you go to hell, you demon yeah, spawn. Right. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> Who gives and- a fuck? The, this also is a scene where you're basically explaining the rules of somebody's powers too. Like that that's what this scene is. But it's and not a boring like let's all just sit as two talking heads and talk about it. No. It was ripe with tension and story and action. And is it me or are we like is there something about Mystique that we we're just loving in this whole run? Oh, she's, she's pretty what, fucking badass. What is it about Mystique that I am responding to? In these books, lately. we just like evil I women. Honest, there she's just so. I think she's just so great. You know, and it's just like destiny, I'm evil, and I'm not going to apologize for it. What a what a couple these two. These are these are two women in love. I root for the relationship, I and I really hope to see Destiny resurrected. Here this we is are. the best scene. This is one of the best scenes in comic books ever. It just, good lord. And it leads to, yes, mother, life number four. It, Life number four, which I feel like we've seen before. Because life number four is essentially Days of Future Past. The Days of Future Past timeline. But in the Days of Future Past timeline, was he with Moira the whole time? I don't really know if the story of Moira was ever really focused on, but the life number four ends with the shot of Wolverine getting... Um, annihilated by that sentinel. Yeah, but all all the same, but it's like all the same things are happening, but Moira doesn't have the Murr Isle Institute or Banshee. She's just, she marries Xavier and they're just together. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's a piece of information Hickman added to Days of Future Past, but that's what I feel like it is. Um, so I, I, I love that. I didn't think about that, but I love that because it is, we do know that that's a timeline that doesn't exist because of Rachel. So we know it is an altered timeline. And I love how this one, it's like I was there and then you from, it was like from the, what were the three different versions? It was the, from the the classic, no, what is it? The Times of Hatred. And then the last one is like, oh, and, the, and, yeah. the, and the Lost Decade. Yeah, yeah. It was, which uh, is just showing it. them as the Phoenix Force, which I guess is throwing shade five. of like, that was stupid. <laughs> Absolutely saying Bendis' run was stupid. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like that was Hickman. So the the page is they show the original X-Men, and it's through the gifted years. That's they a show gifted. the giant-sized new X-Men through the time of hate and fear, and then they show the Phoenix Five <laughs> and say, and through the lost decade, <laughs> uh, and then Days of Future Past. Um, I love that because I feel like Hickman's saying, yeah, I mean, you know, you guys never really got it right since Morrison or since Whedon. Um, and I will just say I did not hate Bendis's run. 
but I don't think it helped the overall canon of the X-Men. I didn't hate it. I don't think it's good. Yeah. Um, okay, so so that ends and she dies. And now we're on to life number five. Number five. And so here's... Five more lives. So in life number five, uh, they she decides... This is where she runs away, right? She runs away and she, this is where for, I was like, oh, so are we in life number five? Because it starts with her visiting Xavier on a bench. Although I think we come to find out later on in the book that she's 13 no, years they're old little kids. talking no, they're to just, Xavier. No, yeah, they're little they're kids. Kid, yeah. Yeah. So that she, she uh, runs away from home as a child and finds him and they just start right away. And there's a different thing. They use the term radicalize a lot. And there's different parts where she goes, I said this, and it radicalized Xavier. And then there's a later part where she's like, this happened, and it radicalized me. And it's weird how she still hasn't been radicalized yet. She still, like, wants this peace with mutants, and they decide to form their own kind of genosha. They create what we come to learn is called Far Away, which is a mutant utopia. And a remote area of the planet? Yeah. And Trask still makes the Sentinels. They still come. And they still come. And they blow it all up. And that's how she dies in that one. Well, isn't that one, though? But she doesn't... She's in a coma first. Well, we do find out later. And we're going to... All right, we'll so, all right, well, that chart. All right, yeah. we'll save that but, for yeah, later. Yeah. Uh, but then, then here we go. And then it's like life number seven. Did you notice it right away? Were you paying enough attention? I sure did. I, fl- I, I flipped yeah. back. I was like, did I, did I double yeah. click? Yeah, me too. I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. So life number seven, life number seven, she decides to get rid of all of the Trask bloodline, which means she lived a whole other life between the far away and then her deciding to become a mercenary and just murdering everybody. And so as you can see, the idea of, oh, everything's great and we can still find a way to make peace. And this seventh life, she no longer is on the side of the humans anymore. Like she's full on, like we need to fucking, we need to go hard against them. Yeah, she's She's just being radicalized left and right. But what, like, and what happened in the missing life six, because we jumped from five to seven, what happened that turned her into this? But we'll, and, let's, we'll talk about that once we get to the end for our final. Well, there is a line I want to hone in on, okay, though. Okay, okay. At the end of life five, <clears throat> uh, wait, is it the end of life five? There's something Is it the one where there's a hiccup? The hiccup rebirth? The hiccup rebirth? There's one where it goes back to the womb, but it goes back in two panels. It's like, and then, and then it's another panel. It goes, and then. Oh, I don't know. Um, there was something about, I thought she's had a, something about, um, she gave up hope. Uh, she, she, she woke up to life seven and realized that, like, you can't... Uh, you can't stop them. There's no hope of stopping them. Yeah. Oh, it's at the end of at the end of life seven. And with that, any hope Moira had of her being able to stop them died and the experience radicalized her. Yeah. I was thinking that 
she realized she couldn't beat them in Life 6, and so she joined them, and she somehow, there's like a Sentinel Moira running around. <laughs> I don't know. That's what you think Life 6 is? Hashtag Life 6 theories. That okay, she, like, we're going to get to Sentinel. the end, because I have a huge okay. theory about what I think Life 6 is, but I don't want to get into okay. it. Okay, okay. Um, All right, so she dies because she realized she stumbles a, 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 an errant master mold facility, and she's killed by a Sentinel. So being a mercenary did not work either. So yeah. in her eighth just, life... Because no matter what she does or who she kills, someone is going to build these Sentinels. So eighth life is, fuck it, I'm joining Magneto. Yeah, I'm going to fuck Xavier. Fuck, I mean, not fuck, literally. She's like, screw Xavier, I'm done with him. I'm going to join Magneto. But the problem is, the stupid X-Men and Avengers stop them. Mm-hmm. Like some real classic-looking superheroes stop them. They kill Magneto, and we find out later, Moira dies. In a prison break. In a prison break. A failed prison break. All right. Yeah. So, so now we are on to life number nine. Life number nine. And wait, hold on. I need to... I'm, Super I'm, fuck it. She goes to fucking Apocalypse. Apocalypse. She goes to Apocalypse. She's like, I'm, you know, Xavier isn't the way. Magneto isn't the way. Uh, It's got to be Apocalypse. Yeah. So a few context clues here. One is that she's always standing with. So she looks like a like a version of Apocalypse herself now. Um, She's blue. She's got the A. uh, And she's with three others who we're assuming are three other horsemen. So I'm assuming she's the fourth horseman. Yeah. She's the favorite horseman. So I'm assuming she's death. Uh-huh. Because death is the teacher's pet. <laughs> I guess that is true with Apocalypse. And then it never tells you how she dies. In fact, it says, if the humans wanted a war, if their machines did, then they would give them one without end, they being Apocalypse and Moira. Mm-hmm. So she's the horseman death. Instead of dying, she becomes death, I think, is the, is the takeaway. But I guess then, end. so when you die, when you become death... Do you die? Do you go do, back? Do you does that mean that you die? That and I, think, I wonder if that... Yeah, I, guess, I, that's, I, I, I like that theory. So does that I mean there's like a death version theory. of Moira existing somewhere? In another timeline... But that's the thing is, are these times, but then if you have days of future past, then these timelines, there technically is a way to still get to them. Because that's the thing is, do these timelines erase the other time or are they just branching off a different, a different world? Right. How does time work? And then that. Well, so that brings us to 10. But which here's I think where we can call. But this here's one. the thing that's interesting. What do you think is the significance is after that happens, but it says, and then, and it's a black screen, black panel, and then it oh, goes, Oh, here's the hiccup then, thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then. What, what is that? And then. That would make sense if that happened at life seven. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's um, like, like, cause it's like, and then that's the six life hiccup. And then, and then it starts the panel over. Like, why, why does it start over and then nothing happens and then it starts over again? I, that's significant. You, would, you wouldn't do that for no reason. 
Yeah, there's two black panels. One follows the other, and both... It's just the same panel twice, and then, and then... Why? Is it for a dramatic effect? I feel like he doesn't do... I mean, he doesn't do anything for just dramatic effect. It's Hickman. Did she split into two? Did she split into two, Moira? Something happens there. I'm convinced that, that something happens. Or the other thing is it's just like, and then... And then the second and then is like light bulb goes off. And then, oh, I know what I'm going to do. Could it be that? Maybe. And then, and then, ooh, because here now we she, go. Because the baby's making an evil face, and it says, and in Maura's well, tenth life. I don't know about evil. Oh, she's making a face like, bitch, I'm going to cut say, you. I say determined. I think it's a, it's a, it's a look of determination. Same thing. Because <laughs> it depends what you're thinking about. <laughs> and in Maura's 10th life, she decided she and Charles Xavier would break all the rules. So here's the thing. Uh, and, then, and then it says... Uh, before we get into the, so then it turns out that this, so then we realize this park bench is her in the tenth life when she first meets Xavier, and is telling him, and she's giving him access to all previous ten lives. And I can just say the art on this, the face Xavier makes. I don't name another artist that can create an expression that good. The art is so popular like, as where he just, just goes. So where he reads. Where good. He's reading her mind, doing the Xavier finger to the head, and his eyes. It's the most like what the f- like. It's just so good. It's so good, and it ends so, with um, a line where it says, "I am here. I've always been here, Moira X." Is it X or is it 10? Moira 10. Oh, yeah, Moira 10. You're right. Moira 10. Um, and, but then they, before that, I want to talk about uh, the first line that opens the comic that we did not bring up yet. Yeah, and I want to tie that to a point I want to make about this panel of Xavier reading her mind after we found out she's on her 10th life. The book opens with a quote from Apocalypse. Yes. And Apocalypse is speaking to somebody. Our assumption is that it's the titular character in the curious case of Moira 10. Or maybe Moira 9 in this one? Or more, well, it's more, let's just say Moira. <laughs> uh, if you can find it to survive, if you are worthy, then I will make you into something more than them, something eternal. So there's a reason, and then in the little code, um, in uh, in on this page, you see the word horseman is there. So so that's why I'm thinking this is about turning Moira into the horseman death. Yes, I agree. So when Xavier read her mind, she's on life ten. How is it possible that she has? thousands of years of memories from life nine like is it possible that she actually lived for millennia as death here's what i'm kind of wondering in powers of 10 she's moira 10 this is powers of 10 i'm questioning whether this future that we're seeing is the could be the apocalypse 
future. It could be life number nine. In powers of ten. In powers of ten. It could be life number nine that we're watching. And it not absolutely could be. Yeah. And she lived through it because she's still and I wonder, here's the thing, if she's still alive, do they have a psionic link? Is she constantly updated with what's happening in the future of that previous timeline? Are we seeing here's another wild theory? Is the reason that life six is missing is because it's powers of X. I mean ugh, powers of ten. Is it because we're seeing life six unfold? And that's why they didn't give it away? Because then we'd be like, oh, so powers of ten is life six? Could be. But right now life six seems very similar to the apocalypse one. I would say here's my thing is um this is my rogue theory that might be not true and it might be whatever, but I'm thinking when, okay. So at the very end of the comic, it gives the 10, it gives her 10 lives and literally goes through a timeline and you see, and the timelines are all on running parallel. So you kind of see where the, where things shifted and changed and how her life is different. And it also says how she died every time. Um, you, that's when you actually look the 10th life. It has founded morale Institute, she, you know, has Proteus. It's the only one where she McTaggart. has... McTaggart. It's the only one where she has Proteus. It's the only one where she's called McTaggart. Exactly. So all of this shit is happening, and you're like, oh, this is 616. Life 10. And I'm thinking Life 10 is a fake-out 616. I'm thinking Life 6 is 616. And I think Life 10... Is her being like, when she says, me and Xavier want to break all the rules, I think she needs to re... I think she came really close in Life 6 at getting it right. And when she fucked up again, she was like, fuck it. I'm going to kill the Trasks. Fuck it, I'm going to join... Like, she went crazy. And now she's like, know what? I'm actually going to go back to the one where I got the closest but I'm gonna make I'm gonna make sure Xavier knows the whole time or something like that. You know what I mean? I think it's I think life six is the same as life ten. Like she did. I think she was a McTaggart in that one too. Interesting. Interesting. That's my theory. And but or could. But if that were the case, then wouldn't all the Marvel Universe stories that we read be part of life six too? Yes, and but, she's- but the thing that's interesting in all of these, and that's we just have to accept the fact that in all of these lives, she's only really affecting the X-Men universe. Oh, God. In all of these lives, no all of the Avengers stuff is still happening the same way. Maybe. I, I don't see how that's possible. <laughs> I mean, in some of the timelines. But it would probably be the same things would because she's making the same choices. It said thing the same things will happen if you make the same choices. So I think she's purposely making all the same choices so that the same 616 will happen. But the only difference is, is that they're aware and they had she has like some kind of ultimate master plan that might be connected to her constantly knowing the life previous. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's so good and there's so many things it could be. But he did say, like, each time you read a book, your theory will go out the window and it will be wrong. And then you'll have a whole new theory. Oh, my God. Remember when I said that I think that Moira wasn't Moira, that it was Xavier in her head or something? Oh, please. Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah. It is. That was Boy like ever is it We more. were like babies back it's, then. It's we, we were such naive, stupid little babies during Powers of Ten number one. And can we cut to like how many issues ago where it was like, oh, they just released art of Myro with Apocalypse? And I was like, ew. That's yeah, but the now. dumbest thing I ever heard. And now I'm like, this now is it's amazing. The best. It's amazing. Um I can't believe I was like, that's definitely not Moira. And Hickman's like, actually, you idiot. It's Moira to the 10th power. Yeah. Like, you, you couldn't be more wrong. Yeah. I, Can we talk about this chart in the back, please? Yes. Yes. Okay. So the reason we find out in life five, the, or I think the reason like he was like, oh, she was in a coma, but then she died at the genocide at far away. Yeah. Is to like to show us what arrows could mean. Like arrows is kind of like a, eh, she didn't quite die. She didn't wasn't quite alive, right? Like I feel like that was just to imbue the arrows with some meaning. Well, because then later they come into lives nine and ten. Or uh, I just thought of something of what it means. What? Those timelines are what she remembers. So while she was in that coma, she doesn't know what happened. You know what I mean? So she's not yeah. taking she's not taking that information into her next life. So maybe that means she she becomes oh, interesting. So she becomes death and that character lives on, but it's arrows because she doesn't remember any of that in her tenth yeah. life. Hmm. Oh, that's super interesting. So then she wouldn't remember anything from after the apartment. House of X uh. in this life? Well, she wouldn't yeah, remember. She wouldn't. Yeah, she wouldn't remember know. anything after she becomes death. So they become arrows when she goes into a coma. I, I'm going to say when she becomes death, because like when the apocalypse war begins. Isn't well backing up on that apocalypse timeline. The apocalypse war begins a good. Let me do the math here. Or way earlier. Fourteen years. Fourteen years later than Moira and Apocalypse forming the X Men. Yeah. <laughs> and then Moira and the Apocalypse, and I guess the X-Men, enslave Mr. Sinister. And then yeah. seven years later. So the arrows in Life 10, I have no idea what that means. They come right after House of X. No idea what that means. Um, Moira, uh, what's the thing about the schism with... Moira, oh, Moira and Xavier recruit Magneto in our timeline. Moira and Xavier, Magneto schism yeah. four years later in our timeline. Is that when they she rearranged his DNA and he was like quote unquote good? Yeah, I think the reunification is when he came to like lead the new mutants and and yeah, Moira okay. was part of all of that. So that was the reunion, and I think the schism is when he yeah and the the, the new X Men run. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Great. Because that new X-Men run. Yeah, because that's when he kidnaps her to the moon and like is like, bitch, you're, you're the one that did this to me and you made changes and fuck you. Yeah. So it is an error. Hickman admitted that he got it wrong. The, the genocide at Genosha happened after Moira's death. So that's wrong. Oh, yeah, he did it. Yeah. Oh, that's right. There is a typo. There, yeah. He has admitted um, there was but a typo. Here, clear as day, Moira fakes death. She are golem. That's all it says. But wait, how come it was a Shi'ar Golem? Any other questions? What is a Shi'ar Golem? 
Has that? What else has that been in? Nothing. I don't think. I mean, there's a golem, which is like from um, Hebrew mythology. It's like a clay monster where they write a letter, a Hebrew letter on its forehead, and then put like an order written on paper in its mouth, and it comes to life and does the thing that's written on the piece of paper. When was that used last? Like, or famously in anything? X-Men-y? Um, X-Men-y? I don't know. I don't know if they've ever had Shi'ar golems in X-Men before. Okay. It would be hilarious if they didn't. I hope they didn't. He's like, it was a Shi'ar, the, the LMD, no, golem. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure now these arrows definitely mean she does, it's times that she doesn't know what happened. Yeah, I, I don't, to me it means, I don't, I, we have no proof it's connected to memory. Because they do say people in comas hear things and can retain the information. Mm. I also think it's um, kind I of, I think things, it's, like it's some, kind of like, she wasn't alive, she wasn't dead. But it's also kind of like, hey, uh, we're going to go into these in later <laughs> issues. Like, yeah. but I don't think we're only, I think we're going to go back into a lot of these lives. So speaking of later issues, it is the cover of Powers of Ten number six. Those don't matter, though, because some, this last cover had Emma Frost on it, and she's not in it. Yeah, but I think this, this is significant. Maybe it does have Moira on it, but her costume, her, her outfit, is very Bastion slash Nimrod-y. Oh, okay. So that's fueling my theory that Powers of Ten is life six, and in that life, she is a sentinel. Hmm. Interesting. It's all very interesting. But then, in Powers of X, is, but in Powers of X, year zero is what's happening in House of X. Is that still life six? Or is this what we're seeing only life six? I'm so, it could be, I'm so confused. My brain broke. I will say I read a review recently of someone who basically said that this is ruining the X-Men and it's awful. And basically it was like, it's not going to help. It's not going to save the X-Men franchise. And it was basically saying that what the thing that X-Men franchise needs is to is to breathe fresh new blood into it, not just have it so that only the insane fans like us will like it. What do you have to say to that person, Brett? Um, I have to say to that person, um, you make some valid points, um, but shut up, and um, you're wrong. It's great. Well, um, I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah, we're in a weird transitional period where we're getting to the Dawn of X books, and everything is going to reset, and it's going to be very accessible. It's going to be a good jumping on point. But th- this book is our very interesting, very additive way of reframing everything to, to take us there, naturally. Well, I will say reading it, it did make me realize that we're very biased. We're doing this from X-Men fans. And so I feel that, is there anything else you want to say about this comic before? I have a surprise for you. Ooh, uh, no, I think, I think we've said it all. Um, I actually have a special guest here. Who? Um, I thought we need to get the other side of, of someone who would probably give a differing opinion of the new X-Men run. 
I actually, he was visiting LA and I, and Chris Claremont is here with us. Oh my God. The writer of the X-Men throughout the 70s and 80s, Chris Claremont, the creator of the Dark Phoenix saga is here. And 90s. Uh, Chris Claremont, welcome. Welcome to CBQ Comic Book Queers. Oh, this fucking shit. Oh, okay. All right. right. I don't want to like go... Uh, okay, do you, so I just wanted to ask, I assume by your, did you read the latest run, Hickman's run of House of X and Power ha! Ten? Ha! I guess you could call it a run. It's miserable bullshit. Of death, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, did, um, so, so you didn't like it. Uh, what? No, what, I didn't like it. Okay. Okay. It, uh, what didn't you, what did you like about it? I think it's great. Well, Storm's costume is all wrong. Okay. Um, I mean, Storms has had many different costumes. Xavier would never wear a three-piece suit. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, yeah, that sounds devastating. Uh, and Moira McTaggart is a human being. She's supposed to be a human being. That was her whole motivation. So you're Fucking upset that shit. She, she, so you're mad that he made her an Omega-level mutant. Oh, you might as well make her the Phoenix, for fuck's sake. Okay. All right. Well, um, I will say like they make Jubilee a goddamn vampire. Well, she is no longer a vampire anymore. How the fuck did that happen? The the Phoenix Force. Oh uh, God, damn it. Okay. Okay. Um, but I will say like I did. Okay. What did you think of? Because a lot of this is kind of beckoning back to the Grant Morrison and Joss Whedon runs. Did you like those runs? <sighs> I cannot answer any of your questions until you put that Cyclops action figure in its proper place. Scott Summers does not like to be near windows. Okay, all right. I will Everybody move knows okay, that. I'm going to move, move it. Move it I'm to move the it. other side of the desk. I'm going to move it. Okay, is that better? That's somewhat better, yes. All right, okay. Um, I probably, I see you're staring. What do I think of the run? Yeah. Is that what you want to know? Yes. I think it's great. What? I think it's great. The current Hickman's current run for a Justice League of America book. Uh, okay, okay. I will just say I think. Uh, don't you feel that it's like suddenly we're now we like there's been a lackluster. Nothing interesting's been happening with the X Men for a long time. It was like boring weddings. Like remember that horrible like wedding issue. Like with all the behind X Men comics thrive on weddings. It's Weddings, space, softball. That's what should be an X-Men comics. Oh, wait a minute. Didn't you write one of those kitty-centric wedding episodes, issues? I sure did. She married a uh, Morlock. Okay. No, I meant in he- actually in the recent run of the wedding, of all the wedding Colossus kitty wedding. I don't remember. I don't you remember did what they, I don't remember what they asked me to write anymore. No, oh. it's all too pa- It's all very painful. After I write an X-Men story, I have to get goddamn acupuncture for the pain. Oh, my God. Um, well, I would just say if you... if Okay, so I think it's amazing. I'm just going to say oh. it right now. I think it's great. And I think... Oh. And I think, you know what? I'm going to just say this. I think you need... You're, you're a real grump, Mr. Claremont. 
You're a, little, yeah, a lot you're, of people tell me that. You're a little grumpus. And there's a thing called sour grapes. It's been 35 years. Wait, it's been, no, 30 years since you've, no, what is it, 28 years since you've written the X-Men? Like, you let it go. I've got a pitch for you. Yeah. It's called House of X, Powers of Ten. Okay. It opens with Jean Grey. She's jogging. Okay. And all of a sudden, Remy... Yeah? Are you following me? Yeah, I'm following you. Go. I haven't gotten as far as that, but it starts with Jean Grey jogging, which is a very powerful moment. (laughs) Okay. Who's on your X-Men team, Mr. Claremont? Kitty Pride. She's 13 years old. Colossus. He loves her. Scott Cyclops. I want Jean Grey on there. I don't want Emma Frost. She's a villain. All right. You know what? You know what? That's where I draw Throw the line. Rachel Gray Jubilee. That's where I draw the line. Emma Frost is an amazing. Emma Frost is an amazing character, and I will not have her name be smirched in this house. And I know you have written hundreds of my favorite issues, but I will not have you be Thank you so much, Emma Frost. And I'm sorry, but you know what? If Hickman is taking this over and this is the direction that he's going to go in, I'm happy about it, and I love it. And I'm afraid. I think I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And especially, well, also I saw, but you took down, I have a framed picture of of the first issue of X Factor. There you go. And you, you took it down. And I would, before you leave, I want you to put it back up. Fine, but I'm going to put it up upside down. Okay. All right. All right. Can I take that Cyclops action figure? My dog ate the arm of mine. Yeah, just take it. Just take it. Thank you very much. I'll give him a good home. Okay. Jonathan Hickman fucking sucks. Okay, bye, Chris Claremont. Can I have, can I take those Twizzler cherry nibs, that bag, that half-eaten bag? Yeah, go for it. Did you want, I have okay. some, I have some leftovers in the fridge if you want them. Oh, would you mind if I just, yeah, just, just, just help yourself. Just help yourself. Just help yourself. I'm going to close the door. I'm going to finish the podcast. Thank you. Okay. Wow. That, that actually went better than I expected. That guy's great. Yeah. He really hates the X-Men, though. And, you know, we have to show all... <laughs> we have to show all points of view. We yeah. have to be fair. Yeah. And who knows? Jesus. Maybe the next issue of House of X will open with Jean Grey jogging. <laughs> it sounds good to me. It's a very powerful moment, I think. Who doesn't love Jean Grey? Love her. But the original... Well, I'm surprised he wants Jean Grey because, you know... She's supposed to be dead. He was very upset about her resurrection. He's rifing through your refrigerator right now. I know. I probably need to take care of that. It's probably not yeah, a good idea. Okay. All right. You go okay. attend to Chris Claremont. I will read House of X number two again. I can't get enough of it. Okay. I, oh. I can't wait. Oh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Um, please give us a little bit of a rating on your podcast app. Um, preferably be a good one. That would be great. Uh, we love diving into these Hickman issues. We will open up and start talking about more stuff soon, maybe, but it's going to be hard. Maybe if, if another comic could be as good. <laughs> I mean, are you listening, Bendis? God. <sighs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, remember, if you read comic books, well, that makes you queer. queer. Chris, get out of here.
get out of the oh. cheese. No. Oh, I think. No, I think that was. Uh, don't eat that. That's my. Uh, I gotta go.